You're listening to Business Made Simple with Donald Miller, Kula Callahan, and Dr. J.J. Peterson. Today's podcast is going to give you a definition of character, but it's also going to help you instill character into your organization. It's going to save you a truckload of problems. It's going to save you morale problems. It's going to save you ethics problems. It's going to save you customer service problems. It really is all about character. I'm with Frank Calderoni. He's the CEO of a company called Anaplan. They've had 112% growth in their stock price since 2018, and he says he did it all with character. He even wrote a book about it called Upstanding. But here's some insights from me and Frank Calderoni. Frank, I'm so glad to talk to you. Same here, Donald. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Your book, Upstanding, talks about character and how really a company is built on the foundation of character, the character of the people who work there. I mean, it's hard to control the market. It's hard to control consumer spending. It's hard to control other things, but we can control our character. Will you? I mean, give me a definition for character as as you talk about it in the book. Uh, you know, Donald, I think we all know character as, as a human, right? As a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's been a while since we really have talked about character as an organization. And when I, when I talk about um, character, character led culture. It's one that's really based on values so that you know what those values are as part of the organization. Everyone part of the organization understands and appreciates those values and then has behaviors that demonstrate those values. And then those values are then used in the marketplace, whether it's for your customers, whether it's for the community that you're part of. And so as you evolve, you then create an identity for that organization that's aligned to an overall purpose, which I call kind of the North Star which uh, really helps guide the organization between, you know, what's right and maybe what's not. You, you were CEO or our CEO of Anaplan. You guys have seen fantastic growth, 112% since you went public in October of 2018. That's a great return on any investment. What was the character that, that you think led to that growth? I mean, can you put a name to it? One, one thing that I would say, uh, when you have a fast growing organization, you need people that can be resilient, uh, people that can actually work together, they can collaborate, they can uh, embrace others as part of teams and work effectively and be very energized and enthusiastic about what they do. And when you have an association to an organization and, and you un- identify with the, with the character and the set of values, you then become much more energized about being part of that. And I find that employees do their best as a result. You sound like uh, Nassim Tlaib a little bit, his book, Anti-Fragile. Uh, and and he, I guess he would call that a characteristic, you know, the, the idea that the world's going to be tough and you've got, you can't be fragile and succeed. What's your, what's your methodology for instituting character within an organization? I mean, do you, do you have a course that people take as far as on-ramping or how do you spread character? Because really what you're talking about is transforming the members of the team. They, they, I imagine they come into Anaplan one way and within a few months they begin to change and adjust and hopefully become better versions of themselves as they adapt the characteristics and character needed in order to succeed on the mission. But was there any sort of formal way that you instituted these characteristics and this character within the organization? You know, it starts with the values. Um, at Anaplan, one of the things that uh, we did, and I've been part of the company now for four and a half years, is we let the organization, the team itself, determine what values were important for them. We opened it up. We didn't decide. I didn't decide. My leadership team didn't decide. We said anyone can volunteer and be part of that exercise, which went on for a number of weeks, right? 67% of the organization volunteered to participate in creating the values. So, so it's, it's owning those values and then living those values. We call it Anaplan love, living our values every day. Wow, that's incredible. The other thing that we do 
is we use uh, certain techniques to allow people uh, as they come into the organization to, first of all, better understand themselves and how they interact with others. Uh, we use a, a process. It's a personality type of test called TILT 365, where you do a self-assessment, uh, you get the feedback, and there's four, sort of like a Myers-Briggs, uh, there's four different um, behaviors that people have. You, you understand what your behavior is, but you also then understand how you interact with other behaviors and what are some of the things that you can do that can really get to a win-win. So that's something that we do when we onboard people and then we do throughout the organization. Okay, the big nine, cultural values essential to creating upstanding community character. I'd like to go through a few of them. I don't think we have time to go through all nine, but people should go get the book. Number one, hire and evaluate talent for character. What's the character test that you're doing in an interview? How do you tell? So, you know, I, I think historically companies have, um, you know, they, they look at the skill that they're trying to hire for and they get so focused on the, the technical skill. I don't mean technology, but just the specifics of the job. What we've done is that's important. But we also evaluate for culture and character. Early on in my tenure at Anaplan, uh, we went down to the Disney Institute and they, they talk about uh, how they interview. And they used to have sort of like a culture person, um, even for executives. And this, this is the example that they use. They were hiring for general counsel um, at the corporate level. And they, they found they probably the best skilled corporate counsel that they could. But then when that candidate went in front of the culture interviewer, um, he asked a simple question. And he said, on Christmas Day, which is our busiest day of the year, would you be willing to park strollers at the park? Because we have to leverage everyone in the company to help because it is our busiest day. And this person actually balked at the idea because he was a general counsel and didn't feel it was appropriate for him to be parking strollers. But it was a good test for Disney to determine whether or not even at the executive level, they were getting someone that was as rounded as they wanted to really be part of the Disney experience. I'm going to skip around here. Uh, number four, this just feels so good. Follow through on convictions. Uh, you have to actually live these out. Is that basically what that means? You do. And it goes back to what I was saying before. The people in the organization have to have conviction around what it is that makes up that character and makes up those values. And they have to practice them. And the organization has to as well. And, and the convictions can be when you either you know, have to take a stand on something, right? Whether it's a stand internally, but also a stand externally. And I think this past year is a great example with all the change that we all had to endure around social unrest and everything associated with so much change around the pandemic, where, you know, in, in the past, I think governments played a stronger role in communities and society. And now companies, organizations are being asked to stand up on behalf of the people that are part of that organization and take certain positions that um, can really help on that North Star, like what, what is right and what is not. One of, the, one of the benefits, if you will, of having very strong values that everybody lives out as a team is it gives you a certain identity if you are a part of uh, an organization. Um, you know, one of, one of our core values is, is sort of relentless optimism. That we, we just keep looking at the bright side. It's, it's part of our, and we, we do shout outs here at our company uh, every week on who have you seen who's just been relentlessly optimistic. What you get with that is a sense of belonging, that once you become relentlessly optimistic, you belong to a group of people, which of course increases morale, increases productivity and all that kind of stuff. And it's just good for your personal health, right? One of the things that you guys do is you actually measure employees for a sense of belonging. It's number seven on your list. 
I'm dying to know, how in the world do you measure that? Uh, it's a great point that you just point, pointed out. People today want to feel part of an organization. It's not no longer acceptable to just say, I, I, I have a job and I'm going to do my job from nine to five. I think the competitive landscape today affords individuals a choice. That choice is going to be made not just on the job, but on the experience, feeling like they can belong. It goes back to some of the values about even being authentic and bringing their self um, to uh, their their organization. In the past, I think organizations have done surveys around just understanding what people feel about the organization as far as the best place to work and so forth. Belonging goes to the next level, which is what is my personal connection to that organization that encourages me want to be there and stay there and get energized by what the organization is all about. We're working right now with uh, UC Berkeley. We're in early stages. UC Berkeley has done a lot of studies around belonging index. And so right now they're working with a few companies, Anaplan being one of them, uh, to evaluate uh, taking those surveys to a next level of, of really kind of um, asking the right questions, but also engaging employees uh, around what that purpose, um, you know, what, one, what the purpose is of the organization, we have a purpose, but also how they feel uh, toward that purpose and that sense of belonging. Frank, we talked a lot in this interview about sort of company culture, internal culture, and uh, how team members relate to each other. You know, if a company only does that and doesn't think about their customer and inviting their customer into the story, you essentially have kind of a ministry that has to be funded by donors because because you, you're not actually selling very much product. But you guys have blown up. I mean, if you as you've thought about your culture and you've believed that culture can and building a, a foundation of character can grow a company, uh, it's a lot of sort of you know what people might accuse you of looking in your belly button, pulling out the lint, and studying the lint. Right? Uh, there's a lot of that. Who are we? How did that translate into the relationships that you have with your actual clients? How did that turn into, you know, the only way you, you you grow the way you've grown and have the kind of results that you've had is if people really like your product and they really like buying your product from you. But we've spent this whole interview talking about us and our character and how we treat employees. How did it translate on the street to, to your customer? So um, we, uh, again, our ecosystem is, we call it the Anaplan, Anaplan community. Um, and we have ways of bringing this community together to benchmark, uh, share different ideas, uh, do things from a social, even now virtually, a social level. So they get to meet others and, and have communication, get to know each other. And it's allowed us to really open up this community, not only in the US, but even globally around the world. And as part of opening up that community, the culture then starts to resonate uh, within that community. And we do different things, different get togethers, uh, different forums that allow us to continue to move that Forward. And so that, that's a way that we've used that. And then, as I said earlier, the overall experience, uh, we do assign someone that aligns with our customers throughout the life of their experience so that we can continue the ongoing uh, engagement, right? And the engagement is not just to monitor the product, it's also the experience, how they're using the product, what are some of the things that help them even uh, extend part of our culture into their organization? Yeah. Well, well congratulations on on fantastic success. The book is Upstanding. My guest is Frank Calderoni, and uh, I'm grateful that you spent some time with us. Thank you, Donald. I really appreciate the, uh, the conversation. Cool. Frank had a lot of ideas about culture. I got a question for you. Tell me. You walk into our team. Mm -hmm. We just had our first team meeting. 
post-COVID. In so long. It was all, it was a year. Yeah, more and than a year. Yeah, Wild. there were like 27 people in the room. Wild. Let's say you you hadn't been part of our culture and you walked in that room, spent the day with us. What would you say the character of our organization oh, that's is? so fun. Including or excluding me dancing in between the breaks. <laughs> that would sway including you, my... Let's say you're a person outside yourself and you're watching you in the... Oh, what would heavens. you say? What would you say this group of people is what? I would say we're extremely honest and collaborative. Probably if I was looking in on that meeting, I would say, man, this group of people trusts each other enough to speak their minds and to offer their opinions, knowing that they're not going to be judged or criticized or barked at, really. So I think- Only playfully. (laughs) Only playfully. That's correct. (laughs) Collaborative would come to mind. Honest would come to mind. I think also it's just a space that invites people to be themselves. Like there wasn't any sort of tense energy or uptightness about um, that day. And I think that that's true of our company and true of our culture. People are- very free to be themselves. And we we really do try hard to invite that sense of honesty and what you think and what you what opinions that you have. And, you know, if something could be done better and you have an idea that you think needs to be shared with everybody, then we've created a space where people feel safe enough to do that. And I think that's pretty unique. And it takes a unique culture yeah. of people with character to create that. <laughs> I would say fun loving. Totally. But when you know, it's interesting, as well. none of those things are really our core values. None I of the know, things that you and I just described are actually our written core values, which right. are really about excellence and relentless optimism, things that we aspire to be. It got me thinking uh, what Frank said, what if we started over? Like, what if we went back to the team and said, hey, you guys tell us what yeah. you think we are? Because it's going to be good. I mean, there's right. a thousand great core values that we could we could choose from. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. In some cases, you kind of have to experience something, look back and be like, what did that show us about ourselves yeah. as a company, as yeah. a person or whatever? I just Have you seen Dallas Bryce Howard's documentary about dads? No, but you've told me about it. Ron Howard's dad yeah. is in the documentary. It's an old, he passed away, but it's an old video of Ron Howard's dad. Ron Howard was Opie as a kid was on his dad was on set every day of the filming of the Andy Griffith show. Wow. Ron Howard's dad. No way. Yep. And there's a little story in the documentary which is beautiful and it's called Dads and Go Watch It. His dad on the first day of shooting they were doing a re- read around or whatever mm-hmm. that's called yep. where you read the script. Right, right, right. And Opie was this bratty kid who mouthed off to his dad and it got laughs in the room. And his dad pulled Andy Griffith aside, and I think one of the other writers or something, and he said, listen, he goes, you know, if Opie's a bratty kid, you're going to get laughs. You're going to get laughs. What you won't get is an intimate connection between Opie and his father. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so you damn cry. sweet. <laughs> and he goes, I just want to tell you, you're going to get laughs, but you're losing something. Wow. You're losing something really beautiful. And they went back. And like a day later, pulled the dad aside and said, we rewrote the whole script. No way. Yep. He's not a bratty kid. He makes mistakes and the dad sits down and connects with them. And that just makes That's you want to cry. So sweet. Anyway, the only reason I, I bring all that oh up God. is because in the documentary, Ron Howard's son mm-hmm. has a baby yeah. and becomes a father. And Ron Howard's son, you capture this generational thing where Ron Howard's son says, I'll never live up to my dad. It's yeah. just not possible. And then you hear Ron Howard say, I will never live up to my dad. Wow. And it's just a really beautiful thing. That's and all the only reason I say so that is because sweet. all of this was underpinned by some core values. And Ron Howard shares them in the documentary. That's amazing. He says, as a father, not fathers are a lot of times they just feel like they're in the way. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, I you mean, know. I am not a dad, but <laughs> I would imagine I would feel that way. <laughs> anyway, but he said, look, I just focused on the big three. And of course, I leaned in. So I'm like, what do I need to focus on? I didn't have a dad. And Ron says, love, security, and an example to follow. That's so good. And if you think about it, those are those are values. Totally. And those values built a three-generation family that's going to go for a fourth generation. What I love about those core values, the big three of Ron Howard, love, security, and an example to follow, it it guides your own sort of behavior and action, but also it's something that you want to give to other people. Yeah. So the more that you embody those things, the more you give them to other people. And I think, you know, what Frank mentions in his book is the more you adopt a culture of character or whatever those main yeah. sort of character traits you want to embody as a team, the more that you embody those things, the more you offer them to your customers and the more that you kind of become known as a company who is, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever your yeah. core values are, which, I mean, in turn creates a more close connection with your customers. They end up trust. wanting to engage more and more with your brand. They trust you more. You they trust talk each about other. You more. Yeah, yeah, You've, yeah. Like, like Frank said, you have a sense of belonging. Right. Totally. Gosh. Yeah. When you share values with people and you live them out, that's how you create belonging. Absolutely. I think, you know, here's what I'm taking from today's conversation, Kula. I I think we go back to the team and say, I think we sort of did the dictator thing where we dictated what our values were. Well, that's not totally true. I mean, we had a ton of those on the board. There was like 40 But I think we, like, if you said our, one of our values is fun loving. Hilarious. Everybody would go, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Totally. You know, like they wouldn't have to go, okay, we got to fake that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we are, I think we're also servant hearted. Oh, we totally, we're one of our core values that you listed is advocate minded, which is. is, Yeah, servant hearted. Let's change it. Yeah. Love that. Way easier to understand. (laughs) We're also finicky. We're also finicky. <laughs> we just change things on a dime. I would dime. say agile. Ah, there it, it is. Better. That's yeah. an optimistic an, view. Yeah. <laughs> well, relentlessly optimistic That's is one, one of our, our values. Our values. Yeah. Here's what character means to me. Of course, it's integrity. It's doing the right thing. Those sorts of things. But but I think there's a couple other definitions that that have helped me. Um, one is don't cheat. And when I say don't cheat, I mean, don't exaggerate your offering to customers. Don't cut costs in order to increase your profit margin and decrease value. Just do it the right way. And that brings me to the second thing that I think goes with character. And that is, and this is going to be hard for some to hear, settle for less. I I, I don't mean uh, se- oh gosh, settle for less is so hard to talk about. What I mean is, if you cheat and you exaggerate and you cut corners, you feel as though you can get somewhere faster, you can reach your goals quicker, uh, you can get more money in the bank. The sad thing, I think a lot of that is true, but it's actually temporary. I mean, you know, you get found out, uh, and in the long run, slow consistent offerings of value that actually solve problems and change lives are what matter. My company made a decision this last year. We had a great year, a great year. And I I hate to say that because I know a lot of people struggle, but we brought products to market like our live stream, Donald Miller Teaches Writing, and I did a life plan live stream. We brought products to market that brought in a lot of extra revenue. 
we did that because we wanted to make sure that we had a padding because we have 30 employees who, who need to make a payroll. We need to make payroll. And we did that exceptionally well. This year, we did not do Donald Miller Teaches Writing. We did not do uh, the Life Plan live stream. We did not make up products in order to beat last year's numbers because making up those products would have taken us off focus. We focus on three things. We focus on business made simple online platform, making really great courses and monthly live streams that teach people how to grow a business and take the mystery out of growing a business. Then we focus on certifying coaches to in-person help other people grow their business using our frameworks. And then we focus on story brand marketing guides which are people who create sales funnels. Donald Miller teaches writing doesn't really fit. It would make us a million bucks, but it doesn't really fit. That's not, that's not what we want to focus on. These other products that we were considering, they don't fit. We want to double down on building communities around these three projects, groups of people together learning how to grow a business and make it profitable. That probably is going to cost us about $2.5 million this year. And the reason we decided not to do it is because we want to have character. We, we actually want to say, no, let's dig down deep and focus on the community that we're building and really serve them well, rather than go chase dollars. We have enough money. We're going to be okay. Let's choose character. You know, I, it was a debatable thing. And um, the, the, what Frank talked about in, in this interview really helped me understand why we made the decision. It just, it just didn't feel quite right. I'm hoping uh, that in the coming years, we will look back and say that was one of the best decisions we've ever made. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to settle for a year in which you tie or even lose to the previous year. That's, that's hard for me. As an Enneagram 3, I want to win. But I'm hoping with many of you and certainly with Frank that doubling down on character and service and value actually mean more in the long run. It's certainly proving uh, – great for the morale of my team. I'll tell you that. They love it. And and it costs them too, right? It costs them too because there's a programs in which they participate in the, what we make. But they were willing to make the sacrifice too. And uh, I think we all should. I think integrity is the, the foundation, the concrete foundation on which we're building our business. And uh, if, we, if we have good character, we can build a really strong business. Sometimes it just goes a little slower. All right. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Business Made Simple. Uh, we appreciate having you around. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed. And until next week, here's to growing your business. It can seem like the whole job of an entrepreneur is to worry, which is why the Business Made Simple podcast is here for you every week, taking the mystery out of growing your business. So if you got something out of today's episode, Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Then go to businessmadesimple.com to see how our on-demand courses and live coaching events can give you the practical skills you need so you won't just sound like you understand business. You will actually know how a business works and how to grow it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.